Hello, welcome to the New River Church Podcast. We're so pleased to have you join us today. We hope that today's message uplifts and inspires you. If you would like to learn some more about New River Church and what we're all about, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. Listening to Pastor Robin's message last week, you know, one of the things that stuck out for me was, you know, when he was talking about the prayer, you know, make me usable. Because for many years, prayer was, Lord, please use me, right? But I, it, we, we know that the Lord can make, can make us usable. Because it, it got me thinking. Because those of you who kind of been walking with me, I, I've been through some stuff in, in the last six months. You know, I've had a few things happen, a few twists and turns happen. And so it kind of, you know, it, it's been leading me to ask the question. So, so what do you do, friend, when you feel like you're going exactly the way that God has called you to go, that you're just following in lockstep, and, and then all of a sudden something happens, and God pulls a sharp left turn on you, amen? And so this, you know, and then, so what do we, how do we, as followers of Jesus, handle those left turns, right? Because there's a certain way that we, that we, as believers, need to handle those left turns. So my message today is entitled, When God Pulls a Left. Scriptures are up on the screen, so you know, get your Bibles ready on your phone or, or in your paper Bible to, to Acts 27. We're going to be starting in verse 33. We'll be there in a little bit, but I want you to be ready because it's a lengthier section of Scripture. And so uh, today, we're going to be looking at three different examples one from, from my personal testimony, and then two from the Apostle Paul, from when he got shipwrecked and snake-bitten. Um, but first, before I get in there, I want to just lay a little bit of background to kind of set the scene for where we're going to be going in, in the Scripture today. If you could pull up the next slide, please. So we're going to be looking at... Uh, so it starts in Acts uh, chapter 21. Apostle Paul is... Thank you. Paul is taken prisoner unjustly, Right? And it moves into Acts 22. I'm just going to give it a quick skim. In Acts 22, Paul preaches and testifies in Jerusalem. And what happens? Riots break out. Chaos ensues. So then Paul is, is brought before the Sanhedrin. And he testifies and preaches again. And what happens? More arguments break out. So then he escapes to Caesarea. And then we move into Acts 24 and 25. Paul goes on trial. And then he appeals to Caesar. And so I'll even stop right here for a second, because at this point, when he goes before King Agrippa, as we move into Acts 26, the Apostle Paul actually has an opportunity to take the easy way out. It says in the Word that King Agrippa says that, you know, had this, uh, had this man not appealed to Caesar, he would be a free man. So how many times, friend, you and I, we, we, we want to take that easy way out sometimes. We want to, you know, if we feel we're, God's called us to go a certain way, but it's difficult, so we may take the easy way out. Paul didn't do that. Paul knew that he was going to end up testifying in Rome before Caesar, so he had to appeal to Caesar to get there. And so all this sets the stage for the, pro- the promise that Jesus comforts Paul with in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, and this is, also, this is confirmed by an angel in Acts 27, 13. It says, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. That's the promise that Jesus gives Paul. A couple of things I want to point out in this promise right here. 
So you see I underline, and the Lord stood near Paul. So come on, friends, when Jesus gives a promise for you, when, when God gives you a promise, he's going to stand near you, amen? He's going to be right there with you to see you all the way through to the end destination of the promise. He's not going to drop, drop a bomb on you and then let's leave you to fend it for yourself. Come on now, right? He's going to be with you all the way through the twists and the turns to get to the promised destination. And so when Jesus makes a promise, when there's a promise made for you, friends, you can take that to the bank. That, 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 that's a check that's got sufficient funds on it. When he makes a promise to you, that's truth. That's something that's not going to go void. It's not, it's not a fib. It's not a lie. He's, he's got a promise that's meant for you. So it will be fulfilled. And so knowing, right, when we know that we're going to get somewhere, we know that's the end destination, we can be comforted, amen, because we, we know that we're, we're going to get there. He's going to be with us all the way through that. Because I know, it, for, for me, there's comfort in knowing the promise. And actually, if you look at Take Courage, and I looked in different translations, in the New King James Version, Take Courage is translated as, be of good cheer. In the New Living Translation, it says, be encouraged. In the Message Version, it says, it's going to be all right. Amen? So all, that, all that's comforting language. If I know that when Jesus makes a promise to me that I can be of good cheer because he's going to be with me all the way, if I can be encouraged when I can't encourage myself, and if I know it's going to be all right, I can receive comfort in the promise. Amen? All right. So let's, we're about to get into Acts 27, but I just want this shipwreck story for Apostle Paul actually starts in verse 27. So I just want to summarize 27 to 33 for the sake of time, because i got to keep it under an hour, right? So we're looking in, in verse 27. So, um, so, so, they're, so Apostle Paul is, is, is in the ship. They're on, on the sea 14 days. They're sailing towards Rome, right? They're approaching land. They're, they're surveying the situation. It, the water's getting shorter. It's 120 feet, and then it's 90 feet. And, you know, and at this point, they're fearing they're going to be hitting the rocks so they dropped four anchors you know, from the stern and prayed. At this point, the sailors wanted to take the easy way out. They wanted to, uh, they wanted to hop from ship, get into lifeboats, and go to safety. Apostle Paul says, no, you, you can't do that. Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So they followed Apostle Paul's advice, and they, uh, and they cut the ropes. They take their safety net, they take their security, and let it drift away. So now that we join in verse 33, please read along with me. Here we go. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Hold on to this verse right here. We're going to come back to it later, 35. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it, come on now, and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, so they ate to the full, right? They lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When the daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. 
but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. Paul knew that was going to happen, right? They, the bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent them from swimming away and escaping. But, check it out, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept him from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could, jump, who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. Check this out. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Amen. Moving on to 28. We're going to verse all the way through to 10. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. Check this out. Verse 5. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, oh, I like this part, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Hallelujah. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Come on, now, that's, that's oof. They honored us in many ways, so I get excited. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Praise the reading of the word. I know that's a lot of scripture. We're going to come back and look through a couple of parts in it that stuck out to me. No worries. So, you know, Paul's promise from Jesus was that he was going to get to Rome. Amen? The shipwreck and the snake bite were two very sharp left turns. But as you can see, turned out with great results. But I'm sure the Apostle Paul... Wouldn't have drawn it up that way if he could, and I'm sure you and I would not have drawn it up that way if we could. If I said, hey, Sue, you're going to go from here, and you're going to get out to your car right there, which way are you going to take? Are you going to take a straight line? You're probably going to, we would all take the straight line, right? We wouldn't walk like this and go all over the place and take all the detours, right? But see, that's how we write our story. We have this fixation that if the promise is way far but straight ahead, that we're going to take that straight line, come on, I have to get there. But God doesn't have it that way. God has us go through the sharp lefts, through the twists, and through the turns to get there. And in fact, it's actually, you know, as Audrey preached the other week, you know, about the distractions, right? It, it, it's, the distractions are actually, they're, they're part of the mission. Because you see, Paul was, Paul was ministering in, this, in, in these situations, right? Between the shipwreck and, and the snake bite. But let, let me ask you, let, let's be real for a second. By a show of hands in here, how many people in here's lives have turned out in a straight line? How many marriages have turned out in a straight line? How many people's careers? I'm still seeing no hands going up. How many careers have turned out in a straight line? How many folks' parenting has gone in a straight line? That's what I figured when I was thinking about it last night and, and, and practicing. I figured the answer would be zero, right? We all go through the twists and the turns and how to get to the destination and the promise that Jesus has laid out for you 
and for me. Amen? So, knowing that we're going to go through these twists and turns, you know, and we see, and as we go through these, people tend to watch and they react to how, how you handle these pivots, how you handle these sharp left turns, right? And so it's very important because see how we handle, as followers of Jesus Christ, these left turns, it, 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 show, it says a lot about our faith, right? You know, is it going to show us that we're, that we're weak in our faith? Is it going to show us that we're steady? Is it going to show us that we react very quickly and emotionally, right? It, it, it's really a te- how we, we react in the pivots, how Paul reacted, how I re- reacted, it, it's really, it's a testimony to where we are in our faith walk, right? If I get all bent out of shape and can't function, what kind, what kind of testimony is that for me? If I get all bent out of shape, but I claim to, to, to know Jesus and lean on the rock, the firm foundation, but I have no solid, but I don't stand on any solid ground, right? So it says a lot about our faith, and it sets the example for others. If somebody watches you handle a situation in, in, a, in a strong way, a confident, a, a way full of poise, that's going to set an example for them, and they're going to ask me, hey, how, how do you stay strong through all that? Well, it's my faith in Jesus. There's the ministry tool right there, amen? So, you know, we, we want to handle these well, these turns, right? And people watch and, and see how we react. So how exactly are different ways that we could handle these left turns. Amen. There are three different ways, thank you, that we could handle the sharp left turns of life. First one is denial, right? So in the denial response, what do we say? Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. It's all good, right? You know, and I kind of walk through that in my testimony in one of the left turns, right? So in the last six months, just to testify for a second, it started last October. My uncle, who was like a father figure to me, he passed from a, from a 12-day battle with cancer. Five days later, I broke my arm playing basketball. And then last month, I, was going, I felt I was going exactly the way God called me to go in my vocation, and I got laid off from my job. Right? So which one did I, which one did I handle with, with denial? It was actually my uncle's passing. As you know, as, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Everything's good. So we deny, you know, so what happens when we deny that? We deny our feelings, right? We don't, we don't register them, you know. What, what did it actually show? You would, you would think that, that my heart would be weeping, that I'd register all this stuff, but I just, what did I do? I kept going straight. I hit the gas. And what did that show about me? It showed a spiritual hardness, that, there was, that I needed to be softened a little bit, right? And, and the Apostle Paul when he got bit by the snake, he could, you know, he shook it off, right? But he registered, he registered that. He didn't go, there's no snake in my hand. All good. Still put the fire on, not registered a snake bite, right? While he was on the ship, he could have been, nah, ship's going straight on course. We're not going to hit any rocks. We're all set. It's all good, right? He could have showed a spiritual hardness, but he didn't. I did in my situation, right? So I kept going straight, hitting the gas. So in the, in the, in the proverbial, in the response, right, if we're in the car and we're driving, we just keep going straight. We don't slow down at all because it's all good. We're going to keep chugging through, right? You know, we're, we keep on keeping on. We, we, you know, we're, I'm hanging in there, you know, all that stuff that denies the actual emotional response that we're feeling, amen? So we could deny it. We could become discombobulated. We could, we, we could freak out. We could, I, for me, the situation where I showed 
I started off in discombobulation was when I broke my arm. In a five-day period, right, I, you know, from Uncle Pass and breaking my arm, it wasn't until I, I was in the orthopedic surgeon's office, in the doctor's office, and he says, hey, buddy, you got a fractured, uh, you got a fractured radius right there. You're going to be out of commission for a little bit. You know what my response was? To weep right in front of him, right? Sit there and just become completely undone in the doctor's office. He didn't even know how to handle it. He just kind of like, oh, it, it's okay. You know, it's, oh, thank you, sir. But... I became, but you know what it showed, right? The over-the-top discombobulated response? It showed an attachment to my circumstances. And actually, that moment, before I, way before I got to poise, it took me like a month to get there, to be honest. You guys in Milwaukee with me know that. It took me a, a little bit, right? Th- through that, it actually, the Lord showed me that I was attached to the circumstance of being busy. How many folks in here get detached to the circumstance of being busy? How many folks get attached to the circumstance of numbers? They get attached to their situation, right? And they identify themselves with their situation. And so when that circumstance gets taken away, you become completely undone. You don't know what to do, right? When I, was, I remember I was at a point where, sadly, I was bragging to folks. I'm like, man, I'm booked out like two or three weeks. I see like 27 clients a week. Well, let me tell you something. When God takes that number from 27 and turns it to a zero, you realize how attached to your circumstances you are, Amen. I was quite attached. I became completely undone for a little bit. So for me, I was paralyzed. I actually remember the lowest one. Looking back on it, in hindsight, when I realized I was paralyzed is the moment when I said, about a day later, I go, what am I going to do now? I'm completely useless. Yeah. And so I was paralyzed by the turn. Apostle Paul could have been paralyzed by by the situations. He went, when the when the ship was going to wreck, right, he could have stopped eating. He could have not taken care of himself. He could have freaked out and grabbed the lifeboat and jumped overboard, right? When the snake bit him, he could have looked at it and, and freaked out and ran around like this with trying to get the snake off. But, but he didn't do that. I became discombobulated. And so what are the two different responses when we become discombobulated in the, in the parable? Right? We're, we slam the brakes and we do nothing. So we don't even get through the turn. We just stop and we can't even function. Imagine what that turn looks like. Or we veer to the right and we make a split-second decision. I actually even made a split-second decision this past week. You know, I'm writing a sermon and I still get discombobulated and veer to the right, right? So I was looking at trying to get health insurance with the layoff, right? And so I'm like, you've got to have health insurance. So what do I do? I fill out one of those online forms. Doug knows next thing you know, i got about 50 phone calls from people trying to sell me health insurance because I veered to the right. Instead of taking a moment, registering it, and acting accordingly, I veered off and made a, made a flippant decision that I'm paying the consequences for now. So our phone's going to stay on airplane mode for a little bit. But uh, so we can deny it. We can become discombobulated, right? Or we can handle it in the right way. We can handle it. Oh, and being discombobulated shows a spiritual weakness. Amen. I didn't realize how weak I was until I was weeping in the, in the doctor's office saying I'm useless. Which is a total lie. It's a total, total scheme of the enemy to, get, to paralyze me. And, that's, and then it actually hits me. That's what the enemy wants us to do. He, want, he doesn't want us to ever get to poise. He wants you to deny that there's a problem so it gets worse and worse and you crash. Or he wants you to get discombobulated so you do something flippant or you do nothing and you stand still and the problem never goes away. Amen. But see, the Lord wants us to handle the left turns of life, of faith, of our walk with poise. See, in poise, what happens is we recognize the situation, but we're not overwhelmed. 
right? So when I lost my job, yeah, I took the gut punch. There was a couple days where I just felt kind of kind of flat, right? Where I was, I was struggling with it a little bit. You know, I wasn't paralyzed, but you got to register. You can't say nothing's happening or you can't say everything's wrong. You got to find that in the middle where you go, okay, I got a situation going on. God's put the left turn signal up for me. I'm going to be pivoting real shortly, right? So it recognizes the feelings and it deals with them appropriately, amen? And so what does that do? It, it, it shows a, a spiritual strength. It shows a maturity that poise sets the example for others, and it opens the door for the, for the Lord to minister through that, right? So how? There we go. And so the point that we show, it opens the door to minister to others. So if we look at, in the reading, in the Apostle Paul's story, back in Acts chapter 27, if I look at verses 35 to 37, it says, And after he said this, he took some bread... And gave thanks to God in front of them all. Can you read the next line if you got your Bible open? Then he broke bread, thank you, and began to eat. One more time. Then he broke bread and began to eat. So that moment of poise where he could have become discombobulated, he could have denied it, he handled it with poise, that maturity, that example setting. And what did it do? Verse 36, they were all encouraged and then... They ate some food themselves, enough for 276. And so what ends up happening in the end, being able to minister to others, as you get towards the end of the chapter, in this way, everyone, not part of them, not three quarters, not a good majority of them, everyone. Imagine a shipwreck and all 276 unharmed. They reached land safely. That's because, come on now, the Apostle Paul showed the poise and to be able to handle the situation and act accordingly, amen? We look at Acts chapter 28, verses 8 to 10, the ministry opportunity right here. So the way that he handled the poise of the snake bite, it earned him favor with the people of the island. It earned him favor with the chief official of the island, Publius, right? So you get to verse 8. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him. Come on now, here it is. And after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the, of the sick on the island came and were what? They were cured. They were cured. It's right there, right? So by the poise that the apostle Paul handled those two situations, Lord used him to save 276 lives. Come on now. And heal a whole island full of sick people. Isn't that amazing? Come on, that's clapworthy right there. That is really cool. And so if, if the Lord can use the Apostle Paul for that, what can he use you for? What can he use each and every one of us for if we handle the left turns of faith with poise? Amen? So there, how do exactly do we handle this with, with these situations with poise, right? First, we've got to slow down. And tap the brakes. We gotta be prepared for the turn. We gotta we gotta get ourselves in the right posture, the right right position. So if you're taking, if you're driving down the road and you see that big old sharp left turn sign, right? You, you gotta slow it down. You gotta you don't slam the brakes and come to a screeching halt. You might get rear-ended, right? But if you slow down, it registers, yes, that turn is coming. So I'm gonna now get prepared. And how do I prepare myself to go through the left turn? I pray. I take it right to the Lord. After I've registered it, 
And I admit, when I struggled with, with losing my job, right, I struggled with this step at first. So I got laid off on a Tuesday. I woke up Wednesday morning, and I was trying to pray. And I admit, in my mind, I was distracted. And we, we've all been there. So, I, you know, it's, we've all been in this position. We all get caught up at first with the circumstances. I'm thinking, well, what if I, come on now, what if I maneuver this way, if I do this, if I, if I make this action, if I take it in my hands and do this with it? It's going to set me up for prosperity down the road. And I was so conflicted. And then, come on, this is so cool. Holy Spirit brought into, just brought to me, connected me to, to, to God's word, Romans 8 and 28, which says, And we know that in all things, if you know it, say it with me, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Amen? So, doesn't say it works out for my good. It works out for, for the good, right? And, and, and so, and then I even picked up a devotional that one of my sisters in Christ, Janet Evans, gave me as a gift, and, and, I, put, and I pull it open, because God will oftentimes confirm it, right? Come on. Huh? And I look, and what's the first thing it says in the, in the prayer devotional? No matter what the circumstance, God works out thing, all things for the good according to those who love and were called according to his purpose. Come on now, that's, that's the confirmation right there, Romans 8, 28. And it connects. And so it, take, it connects us, it reminds us of God's promises and makes them personal, right? Psalm 119 and 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. My feet. My path. So that means if that's true for me, it's true for you. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Those things that God has promised to you, to us as believers, he takes it and he makes it personal. So after he takes these things and makes it... Oh, and by the way, Romans 8, 28, I, I find it uh, funny. Who's, who's it written by? The Apostle Paul. The man who later would go through the, sh- the shipwreck and the snake bite and, and all these severe left turns that I hope never to go through. But he's the one who wrote it. So if he wrote it and then it's confirmed, amen. So prayer also gives us wisdom and insight into the situation. So after it's connected us to the truth, the truth will then give us the wisdom and the insight. And the book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, says it plainly as follows. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So if you're in a hot mess, if that left turn, come on now, has got you in a hot mess, take it to the Lord. And I'm hoping later we're going to take it to the Lord today, man. Because so he, 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 want, he wants to give you wisdom. God does not want us to be ignorant as believers. He wants us to know his promises, to be able to connect to his promises, to make it personal, to give, them, to give us wisdom and insight to go through the situations through the left turns because God is with us through the left turns and on the other side, amen? But when, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So it says we must believe and not doubt. Easier said than done, amen? It's tough. When we're going through the left turns, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And that and the enemy wants to, it takes that little window, that little crack. It's, it's, it's like a mouse getting through this hole this big, right? And just create that little bit of doubt. But word says that we must believe and not doubt. That we must know that what God says is true. That we must know that God is with us and ready to get through to the other side. Amen? So, and lastly, 
Prayer connects us with the promiser, right? Prayer connects us with the promiser who gives strength to the weary. Prayer connects us with the promiser who promised us rest. Prayer connects us with the promiser who shows unfailing love. Prayer connects us with the promiser who has promised redemption. He connects us with the, it connects us with the promiser who gives us wisdom. It connects us with the promiser who promises that he will fight for you. It connects us with the promiser who offers forgiveness for sins. It, it connects us with the promiser who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It connects us with the promiser who will meet all of our needs. And it connects us with the promiser that if we call on him, we know that he will answer. Amen? In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, it says, if you want confirmation, it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find, so will, not maybe you might, no. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart, right? So if we, we fully, in the situation, if we don't, we don't necessarily need to seek the best outcome. We just need to seek the promiser in the situation. And if we're connected in God's word, reminded of his promises, he gives us insight. You know that you and I, we're connected with the Lord, amen? And he's going to walk us through that situation. And this was actually written before the exile, as I found as an interesting fact. But, and so what kind of questions? I mean, for me, when I was going through my situations, when I was going through my left turns, the, the, the three questions I kind of ask, right, for me is, you know, what can I learn through the situation? Because if we go through a time of crisis, if we go through an extreme pivot, a left turn, and we don't learn anything, the, the time's wasted. It's wasted. There's nothing, it's not a benefit to be grown out of that. So what can I learn? How can I grow closer to the Lord through the situation? If I'm praying through it and he's giving me wisdom, I'm going to grow closer to the Lord because it, 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 it's a confirmation to these promises that are made personal for our lives. And then how can I be made usable? You know, it's even through, through my worst situations, God has found a way, and I'm sure he does it for you too, friend, to make me usable. When I felt completely useless, sitting there with a broken arm, and felt like I had nothing to offer, God had plenty to offer through me. Problem was, I needed to slow down instead of slamming the gas to go straight through what God was pulling as a left turn and he used me to actually minister to people in that time. It was, it's just amazing. I would never have thought myself to, have, to be usable. So really, it's how God can I be... If you ask God, how can I be made usable? He's going to make you usable, right? If we believe God is who he says he is, and we commit that to him, he's going to find, it. He's going to find plenty of good use and probably a better use than you would have had for yourself. Through the left turn, amen? So then we slow down, we tap the brakes, we pray... And then we act accordingly. In Acts 27, 35, it says, So Paul acted accordingly by giving thanks, breaking bread, and eating. So acting accordingly with that poise, so then the others could watch him, and so then it opened the door to minister. Amen? And then in Acts 28 and 5, and this is really in reading the story, I'm going to admit, this is, I, I got to admit, it's pretty cool what he did. I wish I was as cool as this. When he got bit by the snake, he looks at it, he registers it, shakes it off, just shakes it off, and suffered no ill effects, right? I mean, I wish I could, I would love to all shake the snake off and suffer no ill effects, right? But when he did that, that was to act accordingly. That was the acting with poise. That is what would open the door to minister to other people. And so what happened? So an island was healed, 
But you know who didn't get harmed? Paul didn't get harmed. He wasn't mortally wounded and then ministered to people. He suffered no ill effects. And, and I believe in it, even as I'm, I'm preaching it to you right now, I believe that there are situations that we're going through where it feels like a snake bite for you. It does. It feels like, like, like it could be the death blow. Come on now. But you know what? And God wants us to handle these situations with poise. And you know what? And the no ill effects, there might be no, no spiritual ill effects that go through that situation. Amen? That if we trust in the Lord and we rely on him to get us through that left turn and to the other side, that it is possible, if it's possible for Paul, it's possible for me and for you, that he can get us through the end, through the left turn, with no ill effects. Amen? So in closing, we look at, let me ask you this question there, friend, today. What has God promised to you? Has there been a moment in your life where God has promised you something? I admit, God used somebody else to speak into me years ago when I was in massage school. It was promised that I would touch lives and I would make a difference for the, for the kingdom of God. And a woman was crying as she said it. I just knew. I felt the Lord's presence as much as I feel my fist going into my hand right now. It was that, it was that strong. And God has fulfilled that promise for years to come, for, for years so far and for years to come. God has promised that to me. What has he promised to you, follower of Jesus Christ? And if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and worship team can come on up, please. I'm just, I'm almost finished here. Where... If, if, you don't know, if, you have, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first promise that you can make today. That you can promise to give him, to give him your heart to accept the free gift. Because he's, he's promised salvation to those who confess that he is Lord and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So if you haven't, if you haven't committed that promise to the Lord, I would urge you, let today be that day. Give that promise to the Lord today that he has promised salvation to you if you commit your heart to him and you believe in the truth of his word. Secondly, what left turn are you going through? I don't know anyone. I'm sure if we had a show of hands, everyone in here has been through a left turn. Maybe some of you are going through a left turn right now. You're going through a loss of a job. You're going through a big season change. You're going through brokenness. You're going through a big situational change that you didn't see coming, that you thought that you were, you, were, you were rocking the way that God was called you to go. You were going in that straight line, and all of a sudden something happened. It was like, like, like a backhand and a big left turn. So what left turn are you going through today? Now, how, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to get discombobulated, friends? Are, are you, going to, have, are you going, to, going to freak out and become paralyzed? Are you going to make a split-second decision that is going to cause you years to come back from? Are you going to freak out and do nothing, hoping that it's just going to go away? That if I just... I admit, it's, that's often my response when I get overwhelmed. I'll just sit and actually, like, freeze, hoping that, you know what? It'll just go away on its own. It never goes away on its own, does it? Has it gone away on its own for any of you? No. So, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to deny that there's even a situation and you're just putting it off? Are you going to, are you going to go straight in, in, into, the, into the lake? Are you going to go straight into a crash situation? Or are we going to handle it with poise? So I urge you today, I don't want anyone to leave here today if you if you're either have not given your heart to the Lord that I would love, 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 I would rejoice and we would all rejoice if you would give your heart to the Lord today 
and then get that promise of salvation, or if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ and you're going through that left turn, I don't want any of my friends to walk out of here today struggling with a left turn. We got members of our prayer team. I would love, it would be my pleasure and honor to pray for you as you're going through a left turn. So we can have, because I want all of us together to walk out of here today, follow the example of the Apostle Paul, follow the poise of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate example of poise, right? If you could wake up in the middle of a storm and calm a sea, that's some pretty good poise right there. I want us all to handle that example of poise. I want us all to be with that together. Thanks for listening. That wraps up today's word. We are grateful you joined in. And if you would like to hear more or learn more about us, feel free to check things out over at newriverchurch.org. 